Hello, Internet, and welcome to another episode, another episode of Pop Culture Over Pizza. Go, uh, AJ. Dis- Go, AJ. Yeah. Give Despite it up. the insane am- amount of uh, writing that I have to do, uh, I've found time to at least do something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been uh, trying to keep current with uh, South Park. Nice. I haven't That's gotten completely stuff. current recently, but I'm sure it's awesome. Dagwoody Farms. <laughs> <laughs> I love the new okay. intro. PC babies. Love the intro. <laughs> I gotta love. get back into it, man. It's so good. I'm gonna watch it. No, you're not. So yeah, I don't think you can. No, you're not. Um, so see, South Park. Oh, you did see that 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 movie with us the other day. That was kind of Good Boys. That was that wasn't, that wasn't even true. That wasn't true. even bad. South Park is probably no worse than that. But anyway, anyway. I still remember the movie though. Good Boys the wasn't was even horrible. The movie was pretty bad. It was awesome, but horrible. The show, the show is is rough too. But yeah. Anyway, anyway. continue. Yeah. So that um, let's see, South Park. Um, still trying to catch up with the uh, House of X comics. It's been a little tough. Um, Ooh. I understand though. That's a very dense but. comic to get through. No, it's not uh, not even that. It's just no, but there's a lot to unpack. Oh, you know? yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, and then the other thing I've been doing, I was actually kind of watching a little bit of it during my uh, lunch break today. I was watching uh, the latest episode of Supernatural. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's good times. Even though uh, Laura's out the window, but whatever. <laughs> Alrighty then. What? So, is that it? Yeah, that that that's pretty much it. All right, Eli, you're next up to bat. No. No, save the best for last. Save the best for. Last. Oh my gosh. Sure. All right, all right. Uh, you know what? I'll I'll lead in somewhat naturally. I I'm geeking out over uh, House of X, Powers of X right now, and I'm not going to give up any spoilers um, on it because I know you haven't finished it. Um, well, I'm not going to give up any. Let's just say I'm not going to spoil past. Each uh, respective third issue, I yeah. believe, when you they have the McTaggart reveal. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm yeah you're uh, you're on like issue, issue five, I think. Actually, you're probably somewhere in the third, fourth, fourth issue. issue I but was just going through it. Man, like anyway, the comic is awesome. Um, there is, and you're gonna you're gonna love it. And like I said, you already know about the my my brand new theory. That's not not my my own theory, but there's a theory going out there on the internet that there's a fantastic plot line in here that they can be used to introduce the X Men into the MCU. Uh, this is why I'm really excited about it. Plus, it's it's got great political intrigue. Um, it's got uh, a, it's it's very interesting how they set up their nation in this comic, the nation of Krakoa. Um, I mean, the basic synopsis for those of you that haven't read it, again, without the spoilers, is um, the X-Men has been basically been rebooted, and in the X-Men comics now, they have their own island nation of Krakoa, which is called, which is basically a, a living mutant island from the past, uh, and they live on this island, all mutants are welcome, and they ask the world, basically, to accept their sovereignty in exchange for medicine that can cure almost any human disease. Well, they really don't ask for the sovereignty. Well, they don't ask, no. Yes, but that would probably be getting a little tell. too deep into yes. the machinations of the island nation of Krakoa. And it's it's just awesome how they've rebooted it. Yep. But um, anyway, yeah, like, 
I'm going to get into spoiler territory if I keep talking. So I'm just going to leave it at that and let Eli, you no longer get to yeah. be the best for last anymore, buddy, because you're smacking into stuff while we're trying, yeah, to, yeah. trying to talk over here. My geek out is done. What's yours? So uh, basically the other day I was scrolling through YouTube and I came, I came across um, this YouTube channel. Um, his name is uh, Hyorin Jutsu. Ah, yes. Hyorin Jutsu. Hyorin Jutsu. Hyurin, I think it's Hyurin, Hyurin Jutsu. Yeah, what yeah. he said. What, he what I said. <laughs> what I think I said. I think I might be right, but whatever. Yeah, but he basically, um, I noticed that he was, um, he he had a pretty good. What's the, what, he, what kind of content he does he have? Matches, a bunch of death matches. Oh, okay. So it's, it's kind of like uh, the death match. Uh, what is it? Uh, death battle. It's kind of yeah. like Death Battle, but not like and Death Battle. they're mostly focused on anime. So okay, that's, that's the, cool. So that's the thing of what I, that's why I really different. like it a lot, because it's basically um, mostly based off of, like, um, anime. Uh, like, they have Jotaro. Uh, sorry. Jotaro. They have, like, a lot of Dragon Ball. Um, he's pretty good with the animation. Mm-hmm. And he has... Cool. He... He mainly focuses on his subscribers, like, theories, so most of them are pretty insane, and that's why I pretty much like his channel. Oh, when you, when you say his subscriber theories, do you mean that they suggest who should fight, or they suggest who should win? Um, I think fight. That's what I'm yeah. guessing, because I've seen, like, cool. the comments. Yeah. Cool. That sounds pretty good. I like Death Battle. If it's Death Battle-ish, but with anime, that sounds, well, just as good. Mm-hmm. Cool. Cool. So we're good? Yeah. 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 Oh, wow. <laughs> All okay. right. Boy, we're, All right. we're horrible with ending our geek outs today, aren't we? Yeah. I'm, I'm supposed to have a game plan right now, but like. It's, it's, it's uh, a cacophony of uncomfortable silences here. I, I think that chocolate milk hit me, like, literally smack into my stomach. So Isn't that have, like your caffeine? Like, now my stomach. Yeah. With like whenever he has chocolate milk or strawberry milk, he tends to crash. So, that's are we the, crashing right now? That's the opposite of what happened yeah. to me when I was your age. I felt like a punch into yeah. the gut, and now I'm like... <laughs> you, with, you with the coffee yogurt. Well, that's a whole other story entirely. Yeah. It's totally different. You know, That's a story perhaps for another time. Yes, exactly. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you guys with my geek out. I, I, I have a couple of geek outs. Um, the first one is the CCXP event that's going on in Brazil mm-hmm. um, right now. So, we're recording this on Saturday. Um, they've dropped a couple of things. They've gone over the Eternals. They dropped the trailer over there, which unfortunately we're not going to be able to see. That's a a, an, a trailer just for that event. Um, but the feedback from that is amazing. A lot of people are saying that it's, it's going to totally change the way MCU movies are looked at because it's one of these weird and crazy things. Um, it supposedly spans like 7,000 years in the MCU universe. Mm-hmm. So you got that. Um, they've also dropped a couple of stills, um, first looks at uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, th- those stills Ooh. weren't totally awesome. It was just a, both of them just hanging out yeah, and stuff. Yeah, standing there getting ready to do superhero stuff. Right, exactly. Supposedly. Um, there was a... a a picture release maybe about a couple of days ago where um, 
Daniel Bruhl showed off his chair, which he's gone full on Baron Zemo, mm -hmm. which sounds interesting. He'll have the mask and everything. The other one, which I found really interesting, was the WandaVision still that came out of CCXP. That one looks really, really crazy because it looks like a 1956 com. This one, this one, I'm actually far, far, far more excited about. Yes. Uh, the more I find out about it, because of the fact that I, like I said, I, the Vision comic is pretty fantastic, and yeah. it looks influenced by that. So yeah. I'm curious how they're gonna how they're gonna set that up. Is it a change of reality? Are they going back in time? Mm -hmm. Because um, in that picture, both Wanda and the Vision they look like normal human beings. Yeah, set up in like a '50s sitcom. You know, very. Uh, what, what what kind of sitcoms did they have back then? I don't even it's know. Like Lucy or something. Yes, yeah, like, so like I love or Lucy. Like, I love Lucy. Yeah, like stuff like that. Um, and uh, they also honeymooners, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so that that sounds really interesting, and we're gonna see where they take that. Um, like I said, that's the first real image we've gotten from that show. The other thing that came out, which was super interesting, they released a teaser trailer. Mm -hmm. Ahead of the real trailer, which is going to drop Sunday. Oh, yes. I know what this is, I believe. This is WW84, yeah. which yeah. is Wonder Woman 84. It looks spectacular. Mm -hmm. There is one image where she grabs the gun from, I guess, one of the bad guys, unclips it. The, the bullet comes out, and she smacks it, and it's kind of effectively shooting the bullet. Yeah, I'm presuming you know? she's hitting yeah. somebody with that exactly. bullet. Exactly. <laughs> so... Uh, I like the I like the part where she's literally swinging from lightning bolts yes. with her lasso. Yes, that's that, I like that part a little bit. I don't know if you noticed that. Did you notice that, mm -hmm. or did what? you see that? I have swinging from lightning bolts. Yes. Hold on, she let's is. go back to that really quickly. I'm telling you, this this, this and <laughs> that's just a teaser trailer. That's just a teaser. So this is the scene where she deflects the bullet, which you've probably noticed, right? Oh. You have, I had to watch it twice to be honest to kind of really grasp what she was swinging from mm -hmm. right here, but take a good look. When she's using her lasso of truth, a lightning, lightning bolts. bolts. <laughs> Two lightning bolts. Those are lightning bolts. She's swinging from lightning bolts. For like, a teaser trailer, it is amazing. <laughs> that is, yeah, that's an awesome Yo. detail. Yeah, so unfortunately, as we're recording this, we're recording this Saturday night, we can't get into the juicy details of that trailer, mm -hmm. which comes out next uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow, actually. Tomorrow. Um, but next we're releasing day. this. Yeah, we're releasing this episode on Monday. So unfortunately, we can't get into that. I, I really want to geek out on that one. Well, we can talk about that on the next podcast once we've seen the trailer. Yes, we will. So I got one last geek out, and that's something that I showed you guys earlier. Yeah, that is Free Guy. Um, that is a trailer that w that <laughs> came out today, right? I think so. Yeah, it was I today. So. It's a Ryan Re Reynolds movie where he is a bank teller and bank he teller. realizes that okay. he is actually an NPC in a video game. Mm -hmm. And it looks hilarious. It, it's typical Ryan Reynolds, you know what I'm saying? Um, but he decides at one point that, you know, he, he kind of finally realizes that he's an NPC, that he's not an actual person. Yep. And he decides to fight back. Yep. 
So looks interesting. Um, yeah, that comes out July of next year, I believe. It's like they live but and with video games instead so, of aliens. Yeah, and some of the, and well, it's like Grand Theft Auto almost. Right? Yeah, I know, totally. It is. But it like is. The, the story, like him putting on the glasses and discovering the truth behind his world. Yeah, oh, there's like that's a, pretty awesome. Yeah, he puts it on. It has all these. It has all the, these things. The Ta- HUD pops Taika up. Watiti is in it. He looks like he's the I villain. Know. Yeah, he's like he's like what what did he say? There was something about rattlesnake. <laughs> I don't. Oh, he, he, listen. This this Taika movie Waititi. looks like it's going to be an absolute blast. Wait. So if Taika Waititi is the villain, if he is, mm-hmm. would that make Ryan Ryan Reynolds the good guy? No. Well, he's free guy, but no, he's the great, great guy. guy. <laughs> <laughs> that watch the trailer, you'll understand that reference. So those are the things that I've been geeking out over. Um, I think we should just. We should just get into what we're going to get into because I'm dying to talk about this. That would be Star Wars The Mandalorian, right? <laughs> Episode 5. Episode 5, The Gunslinger. So um, what do you guys think of the episode? Um, I thought it was a really good episode. It is... I think I, I think we still all pretty much agree that, what is it, Episode 3 is our favorite... Epi- well, not, not all of us, but you and I probably would definitely mm-hmm. agree that... Episode three is the best episode so far. The the coolest episode, the best uh, action packed episode. We find out the name of that planet in this episode too, right? We do. Yes, we do. Um, and episode four, uh, you guys recapped it, and I liked episode four. I didn't get to talk about it. I liked episode four. It wasn't my favorite episode either. It probably mm-hmm. was. I think actually, strangely enough, episode one. Oh no, episode. Yeah, episode one and episode four are my least favorite episodes. Episode three is my favorite. And episode two and the most recent episode are kind of up there for my second favorite episodes. But um, so episode four I enjoyed and it brought us the lovely baby Yoda uh, sipping bone broth, which is now replacing Kermit or at least (laughs) uh, the the best. What was it? The best meme I've seen about this so far is... um, Kermit Kermit walked so that Baby Yoda could fly. Um, I think that's a perfect way to describe how that's going to be like the meme for like oh my mind by, minding my own business from now on. Um, but anyway, uh, memes aside, episode five was um, it was also really good. Um, I enjoyed kind of um, I enjoyed the the mission. I thought the the mission was interesting. Um, I thought. The beginning of the episode was really cool, even though the line he delivered was kind of like I knew he was going to say that when he was getting chased at the beginning of the episode. Uh, the line he delivered as the as the kind of the killing line, we'll say, or the the punchline. Oh, yes, yes. Um, I thought the this the battle, or I thought the plan during the mission was really cool and well executed. The way that he decided uh, um, to change the time of the engagement without again without getting into too many spoilers and just giving you a general impressions um, and the strategy that he employed I uh, like the the again somewhat obvious but kind of cool twist with uh, the character of the week and I like the fact that Amy Sedaris uh, guest starred in this episode she's a pretty awesome comedian oh, and really? it's definitely cool the 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 woman who who's the Pelly. mechanic Pelly. Pelly, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the you know she's the, a comedian. So she does like a like a lot of comedy sketch shows, and she's pretty funny. So do you, do you know like who that. the the actor that plays Toro is? Right, that is you. Are you familiar with Bobby Cannavale? Yeah, that's yeah. his son. That's his son. Yes, it is. Oh wow! Yeah, I love Bobby Cannavale. There you go. So now you have you have a son to love also. That guy was good. I yeah, liked. He was him. pretty good. He was good for like the role that he played in this episode. Like I said, he wasn't asked to do much. He wasn't asked to do too much, but he did enough. Um, he had to to he, he was kind of pivotal to the episode, even though he oh, didn't absolutely. do or say much. Yeah. So he pulled that off in a really good way. Um, so the acting was really good. You know, uh, Ming Na Wen being another guest star in this episode was mm-hmm. also pretty cool because I like her as an actress. Um, and yeah, I just like the general direction of the episode. And again, I really like how the episodes this this season and then this show um, are. You know, they each have like a sort of a plot of the week, even though I'm not usually, as I've said before, a fan of a plot of the week yeah, with TV either. episodes and stuff like that. The The way that this show works is it's using the plot of the week to kind of take its time with the overall narrative because every episode does add to the overall narrative. I've got something to say about that. But uh, well, we could talk about yeah. that that impression when you when you give us your impression yes. in a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but like... You know, like I said, I usually don't like that, but I, I like the way they're pulling it off here. And I think, again, we all have a good idea why this show both exists and where they're going with uh, with some of the characters possibly leading into the rise of Skywalker. I think we all believe that. Um, so, yeah, I think it was uh, I think it was a really good episode. I've enjoyed every episode of The Mandalorian so far, so it's not like I, I have a bad episode in mind. But this was like a second tier episode, you know, so far if we're talking about like how it falls in the quality of Mandalorian episodes. Great show, good episode. I like, so here's what I like. I really like the atmosphere that they played with in this episode mm-hmm. because the place that this episode goes to, it's a place we've been before, even in the movies, but it's a very different <laughs> atmosphere that's 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 uh that's been built here and Mm -hmm. you especially notice it in a certain bar that they go into (laughs) i'm not gonna reveal what kind of bar this is because then (laughs) it'll give it away but damn so much has changed um yeah i really Mm -hmm. for some reason no i really like the the cre- the creature features also, uh, they were pretty well done. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know which ones were practical and which ones were CGI. I think the oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah you're talking about the those animals yeah the, ride, those the riding animals. animals yeah I think those were CGI but a lot of the the aliens that we saw in that particular bar you were speaking on. Was speaking about those were practical. Those were practical. Yeah, yeah. So I think yeah, the ride, the riding animals were probably CGI because mm-hmm. they right. moved around a lot. Yeah. Oh yeah. no! But the part of the episode that I really liked, mm-hmm. probably my favorite part of the whole thing, was this one interaction we got in this certain part of this yes. planet, which I'm dying to say the name of, but I can't because we're not going into spoilers yet. No, not yet. just yet. <laughs> just a minute. Just a but. Minute. We'll get they have a particular encounter with a very particular race that has been very particularly feisty in the past. 
end. I just like the way they maneuver around them. It is so good and well thought out. Isn't it so cool how they're building on some of the mythology in this show from yeah. the original Star Wars, like characters and animals and stuff like that, and yep. races? It's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the the interpretations between them, um, in a way, it was kind of funny because of, I guess, the reaction that came from the secondary character. Yeah, because you mm. normally expect <laughs> these guys to be pillaging and killing you, but yeah. you see a very different side of them. This I know, I know. <laughs> it was really cool how like they were kind of just there. <laughs> yeah. They're like ninjas. Yeah, <laughs> I know. And Mando yeah. Knew, yeah, I was so. Uh, yeah, the was moment like, he, the moment that guy was looking into the binoculars, I was totally expecting one of them to just go up and go. Yeah. Don't say it. Don't say it. Yeah, I know. Yet. But I, you saw what just I did. Go no, up I, and I know. I know. What raise you're a about. thing. Yeah. Yep. So, definitely. I, you know, and and it also changes. Uh, a particular aspect of both the original trilogy and the prequels because now you wonder why didn't they do that back then? Because they were jerks. Maybe because, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. But anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves here. You know what I'm saying? So. Yeah, but that's that's basically what I really liked about this episode. Um, So, in a nutshell. I felt that um, Filoni, he was very strategic on how he directed this mm-hmm. and it um to not spoil it it kind of brought me back to call of duty in this one specific scene i i can't it's it's not something that mm-hmm. you can understand if i if i don't exp- if i don't explain it so okay. we'll yeah. that as well it. but i felt this um this particular episode was very comedical uh i mean Comedic, but it's okay. Comedic, comedic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's all right. Damn. That was comedical. Yeah, exactly. That worked. <laughs> that wasn't comedical. That was comedic, comedic, comedic-ish. But anyway, what what else did you what else did you think about the episode? Yeah, I felt that they they definitely built on um, Mando's character. Um, well. I'm thinking right now. Okay. Yeah, but... Is it how he was, like, they, very strategic? They definitely um, made this a much better episode, uh, especially since Filoni was directing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was one of one of my favorites. Not my favorite, but one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, uh, I really... And then there's this one scene that's been getting me, but I can't say it. So, yeah. That's basically it. Cool. General impressions. I want to get in spoiler territory right now. Like, not even going to lie. All right. So. We're almost there. We can about do that soon. Soon. So I'll I'll do this really quickly. Um, Mm -hmm. Like Eli said over here, this was an episode that I was really looking forward to because I'm a big fan of Dave Filoni. And not only did he direct this episode, he wrote the episode also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And his I imprints, ask, I believe that was the case. Yeah, his imprints were all over this. I mean, he was going and he was giving us Easter eggs from the original trilogy. Uh-huh. He was giving us Easter eggs from the prequels. Um, there was a lot of interesting things that he did, particularly with the stuff with the bar. 
but then there's also some other things that makes you question the mythology of everything. And uh, I'll get into that in spoilers because um, I find it interesting that a certain person wasn't ever mentioned at all in this episode. And especially given the fact of where we were, I would have thought that at least that name would have dropped somewhere at once. That's true. So, but, but I guess you'll, it, we'll see exactly how far his legend spread because this is supposed to take place mostly in the Outer Rim worlds. Right. And so that that was something that I was going to get into uh-huh. because, you know, um, well, well, we'll get into that once we get into the spoiler stuff. Once we get into um, it. It was one of my f- more well-received episodes. I think... Uh, the problem that I have right now with the series, and it's not a big problem because I'm still truly enjoying the series. It's just that the first three episodes were very much like a movie. If you had put put them back to back to back and just released it that way, that flowed as a movie. Mm-hmm. And then starting with episode four, like you said, we started getting into the, the creature of the week, the, mm-hmm. the plot of the week and stuff like that. And that's where I think we're losing a little bit of the momentum that we had with the first three episodes. I think um, um, that's why episode three was the best, probably. Because right, episode one and two did, still did have kind of like a, a plot of the week. Right. right? Episode but one it was, was finding Baby Yoda. Episode two was um, getting off the planet. Mm-hmm. Episode three was dealing with the fallout. So right. now it's him Just getting like away. Just like movie. You had three acts. Mm-hmm. So it worked well in that aspect because every... Every episode built up to that third act, that third episode. Whereas these two episodes, um, I don't feel that they're building on the mythology all that well. And the the bigger issue that I have is that, you know, we have eight episodes at roughly around 30 to 40 minutes, mm-hmm. right? I don't think we need to have episodes that are treated as filler, and mm-hmm. I think that's what we're getting in these this fourth and fifth episode. Um, I'm hoping that we get away from that in episode six and we mm-hmm. get back to that mythology building and, and that continuation of the story. Right now, it's a little stagnant for me. I'm still enjoying the stories, but I think we need to get back to the storytelling that we had in those first three episodes that kind of build and, and keep moving this story forward. That's my only criticism of this episode and again it hurts my heart because this is a Dave Filoni episode and I love his work and I think that he needs to have a feature film because of the wealth of knowledge that he has as a Star Wars person um, he was groomed to be George Lucas's right hand man you know he started out as an intern and George Lucas quickly realized his talent brought him un- under his wing and taught him everything when it came to Star mm-hmm. Wars and you see it in this episode, I just want to see less of the plot of the week mm-hmm. and more of the storytelling going forward, especially in the fact that it's only eight episodes. It's only 30, 40 minutes. It's not like a 22-episode season where you need those type of episodes to elongate it and keep people engaged. You don't. It's a short-form season. I think I, I just want to say two quick things about about that as a rebuttal. I think that I understand the fil- the slight filler nature of it, but I think part of that is that we're we're supposed to be made to understand through a lot of different episodes and moments in the series that he's very new to the to this to a certain extent. No, I agree. Um, 
So I think that this is kind of him meandering and not knowing what the heck to do after doing what he did with Baby Yoda. He's a horrible father. Ish. Yeah. He's 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 tough, man. He's rough. But um, again, that the other that thing. Leads, I'm sorry. No, no. The other the other thing, very quickly, I just wanted to say is, um, I haven't seen all of the Dave Filoni, you know, content and TV shows like you guys have. But what I have noted is that what he likes to do, at least in my opinion, is he likes to litter the universe with with characters who will have a bigger role later. Yes. And He's that's what you have with awesome uh, Gina Carano's character. That's mm-hmm. what you have, um, I believe, in this episode with a new character that gets introduced. Right. Um, that's what you have in episode two with Nick Nolte's character. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's building a network of allies because he's going to need some running away from the guild. So I think that, yeah, I agree to a certain extent, but that's, those are kind of my small he rebuttals. Do, he, does, he does really good world building. That's, that's one of his strengths, and you can see it here, like you said, where mm-hmm. and, you know, he's, he's also show running this with Favreau. You know, they're both doing this in tandem and stuff. So Favreau is really the guy that's running this stuff, but he's leaning heavily on Filoni for his his input on this. Mm-hmm. And you can see it in the show. Like you said, the world building is amazing in the show. You know, they're they're literally literally putting in these little pieces from past movies from you know and tying it all together. Mm-hmm. Um it's just Oh, and and I guess one more thing on that point, sorry to cut you off, but I believe that each episode serves the purpose of establishing who these characters are, because that's why those those characters are the focus of the episode, establishing their 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 morals, their ethics, their code, so that that can be used later on in the show. Right, but again, you know, going back to that that pivotal episode four for me, mm-hmm. there has been a shift in the way they're they're building Mando's character. Because in the very first three episodes, he would not let Baby Yoda out of his sight. You know, he realized how tired important. Dad. Tired new dad. Right, exactly. <laughs> right. Well, I guess if you want to put it that way, because, but I mean, look at episode four. I didn't, I don't know. I didn't, I just. Ep- episode four, <laughs> he, he, brought, he brought the baby, the baby Yoda into another bar, right? And literally left him there with. A, a person he doesn't even know. The bartender. The bartender. He just flipped her a, a, an imperial credit and say, "Watch the kid." That's something. Empire that, show way more money than that, dude. Yeah, but it's something that he's doesn't green. seem like it's. He, but in the first three episodes, they showed that he's, he's, he's he took him in places where it was like dangerous. He's improving. He's improving. I guess. Improving? I don't know about don't that. Know. You know what I'm saying. Well, anyway, or so he's learning on the job. I, I I did enjoy the episode. Uh, don't get me wrong. I know I know I'm sounding a little negative on it. I did enjoy the episode a lot. You know, um, I just I, I want them to go back to the way that they were doing this in the first three episodes and continue on that instead of just stopping. It feels like a halt to the show right now. That's that's my take on it. So. All right, all right. Shall we get into it? Spoilers? Yeah, let's go into spoilers, man, because spoilers. I think everybody here is dying to to get into some of these Easter eggs spoilers. that are there, right? So let's yeah. go straight up spoilers. Again, if you haven't seen the show, pause, go watch the show, and then come back. Um, we're going to start dissecting some of these Easter eggs that Filoni threw all over the place and stuff. So Storyline. So spoiler spoilers starting details. now. Who wants to go first? All right. All right. So... Uh, we enter the episode. I think uh, the beginning of the episode is really, really cool, actually. I think that's one of my favorite parts of the episode. Yes, it um, is. I enjoy the whole episode, but 
that was really cool how, like, at the beginning of the episode, Mando and Baby Yoda are in the middle of a dogfight in space. They're getting chased by a random bounty hunter that just, uh, like, just found them out in the middle of nowhere. And I think this is a, a quick, easy, cool scene to establish the fact that nowhere is really safe for him right now. Like, they can find him just about anywhere. In the middle of nowhere, on a planet, wherever he is right now. So can I ask you a question? I asked this question before mm-hmm. in the last podcast. How do you think fobs work in this universe? They really must be, like, able to find something's DNA or something crazy like that. I wish they would explain that. Because, They're going to have to. Because, I mean, it's <laughs> just really random that... You know, they're finding them everywhere. You know, yeah. you would you would think that Manda would try and figure out a way to beat that, right? You would think that there would be no need for bounty hunters in this universe, even because if you can find out where somebody is, literally yeah, at just, all times, just like call the cops or like I don't know, go get them yourself. Yeah, whatever it is, I don't know. Well, I mean, I guess there would be a slight need for bounty hunters in the dangerous situations, but for the most part, like I guess that's why it's a dwindling market. It could be bounty hunter exclusive. Maybe the yeah, fobs. they only have the tech. Maybe. Only they have the, the yeah, the guild has the tech for that. Maybe whatever yeah. it is, it's pretty awesome. And I'm pretty sure bounty hunters weren't organized as well as we see here, like back in the old back in the older movies, right? Maybe not. They were mainly well. just like you didn't see Boba Fett going, "Hey, uh, or saying, how'd you do on that last job?" You know, like there was no real. Well, they didn't focus. They were more on, independent, though. Well, I think Boba Fett was more like for hire, like as a bodyguard, kind of, as well as a bounty hunter. Because yeah, by the yeah, time Return of the Jedi rolls around, he's like guarding the for some huts. reason, guarding for, the huts. Yeah, right, he was working with the huts. Well, look, my point is they were largely independent. You didn't see them like working in guilds. Yeah, I don't think that was as as probable in the original trilogy. Like, even if you watch the Clone Wars series, they're largely independent. That's true. I mean, maybe maybe with the fall of the Empire, because remember, this is five years afterwards, maybe with the fall of the Empire, they had to kind of unionize, <laughs> you know? To kinda... Yeah, they, they did kind of mention that in one of the earlier episodes, yeah. how, like, there's just not as much to do as a bounty hunter for the most part, because right. the Empire was their best client. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... That would only make sense because if you're a mercenary and your most trusted client is the Empire because the Empire hires you um, mm-hmm. by... You need a by new, new boss, right? Now it's just fragments yeah, by of the Empire. empire yeah, you just get... Mm-hmm. You literally just put yourself up for hire and just anybody who comes through to you, then yeah. So you basically have nothing to do these days. So, I mean, what am I going to tell you? Like, Man, I mean, um, <laughs> bounty hunters are bored. It's a the complicated ba- the profession. The, bounty, <laughs> the bounty hunter economy is really dry right now. Yeah. But so fobs are weird, and that's something that we have to establish. Favreau and Filoni, you better explain that at some point, because that's going to become a bigger and bigger plot hole until you can drive like a star destroyer through it, basically. Until we find out what the deal with that is. Um, so the big line in that in that particular scene yeah i think okay so i just wanted to say like (laughs) this episode was cool but also i feel like every moment you knew what was going to happen you knew what they were going to do like and except for maybe the the one moment that is coming up with uh with our friends that that uh meta mentioned that are going to be showing up in this episode uh because that that? was unexpected (laughs) but 
the line, yes, the line, uh, the the bounty hunter whose name is Riot Mar. We never get that in the episode, but yeah. that's his name. Uh, says to Mando, "I can bring you in warm, or I can bring you in cold." And as soon as he said that, I knew that when this guy died, he was going to hear a rebuttal to that. Yep. Uh, and Mando, of course, after pulling that awesome maneuver where he kind of does, uh, that's a little bit of a throwback to Return of the Jedi when Luke Skywalker hits the brakes on the speeder, in my opinion. I but, think, yeah, but the, the thing about it is that Mando's doing that in space, he yeah, shouldn't be able to do thrusters. that in space. Maybe he has retro thrusters of some I, sort. I, I, I didn't see him, it. yeah, I didn't see that. I didn't either. see him hit, but like. Air brake? I don't know. It doesn't work. Yeah, an air brake's probably not going to work in space. <laughs> but I still think it's kind of like a callback to Return of the Jedi in the speeder scene with Luke. Yeah. He hits the brakes and gets behind the guy. And uh, before he blows him away, he says, that's my line. And then boom, blasts him into oblivion with yep. his spaceship. What do you guys think of, uh, of that whole scene Like so far? It was very Han Solo-esque. It, it really was. Mm -hmm. It reminded me of. Um, Stay tuned for that content. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot. I forgot that scene. But there was a scene where it was Han. Yeah, it was Han Solo in space. I forgot it. Which one? Han Solo in space. That's a lot of scenes with Han Solo. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know, but like, yeah. never tell me the odds. <laughs> <laughs> I Something don't like that. It. I don't remember. I I thought it was really high quality production value there. You could tell that. The budget was well spent in that particular mm -hmm. scene. That was a good. That was a good chase scene and yep. good CGI throughout that scene. It really did bring me back to the old Star Wars movies. I um, think that's yeah. that's his point. That's that's what he was trying to get you to feel. Well, he he, he, he made you feel it, and then he immediately took you back to the old Star Wars movies with the return. Uh, Mando basically, you know, his 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 spaceship Ship. got shot up. The Razor Crest. So he's losing fuel. And he has to land on the nearest planet. What planet would that be, Meta? I don't know. Um, do you guys know where Mos Eisley is? If you're a Star Wars fan, you better. Because yeah. you know that is a city on Tatooine. <laughs> we get Tatooine in The Mandalorian. Hey. So um, it, it's, it's just an, an incredible callback. And, you know, the, the flight into the spaceport... Um, brings you back to the original New Hope, right? Um, and you will never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. But that wretched hive is not that much, that is not as scummy as villainous as it was before. No, it, no, <laughs> it's know? not. Yes. But but we'll get no. to that. So he he um he lands in a, a hangar that's very reminiscent of where Han Solo blasted his way out of Tatooine mm -hmm. in that original in that original movie. Yeah. And that's where we meet this this next character which um Jose is very well he, he knows this person very well. Yeah, uh we get Amy Sedaris's character, uh Pelly, who she was a good character in this episode. She was Funny. She was meant to be funny. She is the mechanic in the hangar that Mando lands in. Um, we get pit droids. She has pit, dro <laughs> yep, pit droids from the original, or not the original trilogy, excuse me, the prequel trilogies, yep. episodes one, two, and three. They return for this uh, return to Mos Eisley spaceport. And I got to say, um, actually, one of the cool things 
of that scene or even before he gets to um, gets to that point is when he sees like or excuse me no, this, this is uh, immediately following when he returns to Mosasli Spaceport so he has the conversation with uh, Amy Sedaris about fixing up his ship um, and this is a pretty good scene Baby Yoda is asleep and he leaves him in the spaceship with the door uh, open. With the door yeah. open. Oh, no, 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 the door wasn't open. The door no, came down. But he left the, the main. locked it. He left the main door open. Mm-hmm. The one that leads out of the ship. Mm-hmm. So, bad parenting. Jesus Christ. Yeah, baby, baby Yoda <laughs> is not necessarily left in the best of hands. No. Actually, he doesn't even tell Peli of, about it. No. You know? I guess at this point, he's probably worried that anybody that knows about Baby Yoda is a liability or something like that. Yeah, I guess. Um, or a narc. Yeah, could be. It would only make narc. sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so he he like meanders out of the ship. Basically, he wakes up. He's he's asleep at the beginning of the episode. He wakes up and he Baby Yoda just walks off the ship and reveals himself to Pelly. Um, and basically, she says she's going to charge more for taking care of him. Which that was is a, a great line. Interesting <laughs> little moment. Um. So that, that whole part is pretty cool. And then I really liked when he starts walking around most Eisley. You see the scene that was, I think, in one of the trailers with the Stormtrooper oh, helmets yes. on the pikes. Mm-hmm. God. Dark. Dang it. God. I was going to say that. Damn. Well, what, do you, what did you think about that? Uh, I thought that was... Usually when I see Tatooine, I thought of, I thought of it as, let's say, um, a very... How do I put this? To put it in the nicest terms, like Obi-Wan says, um... A wretched hive. A wretched hive, but like... And villainy? Yeah, but But. when I I saw that scene, damn, that was just on a whole different level. That was crazy. Just seeing those stormtroopers' helmets literally on pikes, that, for Star Wars, that was pretty brutal. Not even gonna lie. Other than the times that, other than that time that Anakin um, slit um, Count Dooku's uh, throat, I cut his head off. Cut his head off. Yeah. I don't don't know about. Well, yeah, slit his throat. The whole thing. (laughs) The whole way through. He didn't slit it. He sliced it in half. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, that was a cool like dark scene over there. What did you guys think of that? Of that little callback to the trailers, I guess. Man, I want to see more of that. I need to see more of that. Like more of that uh, darkness. Like, like we know the we know the anti empire sentiment is there, but we haven't seen it as hardcore as this. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and I guess that begs the question about the legend of a certain character that's from there. Because uh, if you figure they're so anti empire on Tatooine, they would have a bit of an idea of who blew up the freaking Death Star. Yeah. So I don't know. But would they? What do you think about that? Well, I, they I, might not, but I mean, yeah. him being from there might be kind of like, oh man, we have a hero from this planet. That you feel, I feel like that. I, I understand Walt, Walt's point on that one because if you have like somebody who's from your planet who literally saved the freaking galaxy, you might know his name. And and not only that, um, it's it's the whole thing where it's the anti, like you said, um, AJ, it's the anti empire sentiment that. 
is being reflected in that particular scene. Mm-hmm. And you go back to A New Hope, and it was almost as if the Empire was occupying Tatooine because they were walking around, you know, in, in full troop gear and stuff like that. It was almost like a police force. Yeah, I feel so, like from from then on, they mm-hmm. had become, begun occupying Tatooine because before it seemed like they hadn't even really been there other than maybe a couple of times. Right, they exactly. They weren't stationed there like they are in... in Later on, perhaps. So the particular character that we're talking, we're referring to, is Luke Skywalker. Obviously, you know, right, guys? Yeah, definitely, right. And it, it's 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 one of these things where it's like you know, it, it just shows you how insulated um, and how big this universe is because mm-hmm. you you would think that this is a hero that should be you know really well known wherever you you are, whether it's the Almost outer rim, whatever. the middle rim, the inner rim, and all that other stuff. And you go back to Force Awakens, and it's almost like he was a myth. It wasn't even like he's a real person. So it, it just goes to show you that, you know, it's a we big look universe. at Yeah, we look <laughs> at Luke Skywalker as this cultural icon. Uh-huh. But in that universe, I don't think a lot of people knew about him. And again, we go back to the books. Darth Vader was known as Darth Vader. It wasn't until a particular moment in, I believe it was called after the book was Aftermath, that it was revealed that Anakin and Darth Vader are the same person. This was well after his death as well, wasn't it? So it shows you how big of a universe um, the Star Wars universe is. It does not travel fast. It doesn't. It It really doesn't. And so, you know, the fact that... Luke wasn't even name dropped at least once, or some reference kind of shows you how insulated Tatooine is, you know, in terms of yeah. news and stuff like that. I think it's a beautiful bit of world building because you know when you go to like possibly and and you know in on the Earth as well, like poor villages and places like that, they don't they don't have all the news. They don't mm-hmm. care about all the news. They're just trying to survive. And Tatooine yeah. looks like a poor planet. It doesn't look like a place where like a lot of rich people live. Maybe right, a few. Exactly. But it looks like a poor farmer's planet. The the way I see it is basically like Game of Thrones where they even mentioned it. Most of the people don't even care about all the drama that's going on be between yeah, yeah between them all. They're mm-hmm. just like they're there to su- survive really, not really just for the drama that's going on between like government and um, rebels because it's like. Like who cares? Care We're trying charge. to survive. Like, They're still poor. Their you, lives don't change. Yeah, mm-hmm. you blow up the Death Star, nobody cares. We're just trying to survive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I, I just found that interesting and stuff. Um, but once we get into Tatooine, again, AJ referenced this before, we walk into a specific place that is full of lore in the Star Wars universe. AJ, do you want to talk a little bit about that okay so um again if you're a star wars fan you might know what this is it's actually not a bar it's a um it's a, it's a cantina yeah <laughs> it's the <laughs> most <laughs> icely <laughs> cantina bar. and guess what the first jarring change that i noticed no droids Pff, yeah right have droids all over the place the droid was the bartender wasn't he <laughs> You had you had R four mech units, I mm-hmm. think, or yep. you know, like those astromechs. Uh, you had the the dudes from uh, the Jabba's hut palace. Um, the the guy that worked in the droid room. Uh, he's a, it was it was a droid itself, but 
I'm guessing it's like a service droid. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks like the place is under new management. So, yeah. um, and the other the other aspect of it, it's empty, which was pretty jarring because um, in New Hope that place was standing room only, you know, and now you walk in there, and again reflecting on you know the state of the universe. Uh, it's more law it's and order. Scummy. It's because not of the new villainy. Yeah, it, I I don't know. It, it they really haven't. But I guess what it is is that maybe there's not enough work going on. So yeah. that's what I'm saying. Like the empire, like not probably e- employed like 50 percent of the scoundrels in yeah, the universe. Exactly. <laughs> not even that. Also take into account. Uh, this is going back to bounty hunting. Who is the prominent high? E- even if you're discounting the empire, the prominent. Uh, I guess faction that would have hired uh, the scummy types who controlled that planet. It was the Huts. They're gone. Yes. Again, so that taken would have out had by a major impact on that world's scum system. So taken out by Luke Skywalker, a person that we talked no about. Knows. Well, yeah, no one knows. No one knows. Something that really is interesting to me is the fact how you can find bounty hunters literally when not looking for them. Honestly, the Mandalorian found the secondary character that we will talk about um just yeah. like right after this, but like it's so easy to find bounty hunters nowadays. It's like not even funny. Well, he made himself known pretty easily right well, yeah, he know. shows up right away basically right because he, uh, he you know the mando asked the droid bartender if there's any work and there is no work basically like we there's said no there's no guild there's anymore there's nothing there. for him to do the guild doesn't operate on that planet you're right the droid mentions that mm-hmm. and then we meet uh the young character who yeah walt like you said this is uh bobby Cannavale's son and now that you say it i see the resemblance yeah look at the face Same. for sure yeah. mm-hmm uh, a character named Toro Calican. Such a Star Wars name. Is a near shot. <laughs> all, yeah, all the Star Wars names are really well done by John Favreau and Dave Filoni. Yeah. I guess Dave Filoni kind of built that mythos, though, to a certain extent. Yep. But we're introduced to, um, to our friend, Toro. And, Wh- and he... where is he sitting? He's sitting. Uh, that's the booth where Han Solo was sitting. He was sitting right where Han Solo was when mm-hmm. he was talking to Greedo. <laughs> yep. You know? Absolutely. So that's another callback. I heard, I've I've seen a few articles on the internet say that there were a little too many callbacks and Easter eggs in this episode, but I don't agree. No, I don't think so either. I think it was <laughs> it was it was perfectly done. It wasn't all that in your face. It was one of those things where if you're a Star Wars nerd, you pick that up really quickly. It, it, they didn't it, yeah. they didn't shout out. This is where Han Solo. They didn't have a plaque behind the wall. This is where Han Solo shot Greedo. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's one of those things where you're, if you're a nerd of Star Wars, dude, Han Solo was sitting yeah. there. You and know? it's plausible. Like if you go to 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 uh, to Tatooine, most likely spaceport is probably the biggest spaceport on the planet. So you would end up there, which means you would end up at the most likely cantina, and you might end up talking to a kid who's sitting in Han Solo's booth where he shot Greedo. Yeah, no, it's possible. What, what it's is possible. that? Reserve booth seating? I I don't get it. You know? Yeah, maybe that's just like the scoundrels seating. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that like he he convinces Mando to sit down and help him with a, a mark that he's trying to take uh, take out and the aforementioned Ming-Na Wen as the assassin Fennec Shand, another very Star Wars name, if I've ever heard one. And remember, he's very, very, very green. He's not even a member of the guild yet. This is his way of getting in. 
Yeah. Yeah. And and to the point that he's so green that he doesn't even know who Fennec Shand is. He just thinks <laughs> she's just a mark. And Mando is like, are you crazy? If you go and go after her by her by yourself, you're not coming back by the morning. You're not coming back, period. Basically. And, and he actually walks away from it. And then um, the kid goes and he says, well, listen, I don't even care about the money. You can take all the money. Just help me. And that's the thing that brings him back. And he says, okay, well, we're going to do this my way. Yeah, basically he tells him, like, this is my way into the guild. And yeah. I don't know. What did you guys think of that scene? Like, was that a, a pretty cool setup for the, the mission ahead? I, I feel like... That relates to the um, the um, idea that there is no jobs anymore, and that ever that since there aren't any jobs, no no like specific thing to do anymore. Uh, basically everybody has to just um has to has to uh, has to um like. I guess um change change jobs and go to like bounty hunting more than like cuz all the jobs are gone because of the empire the the okay just take a breath it's fine the economy the economy <laughs> <laughs> that's fine that's the fine the economy <laughs> what's up with the economy Continue. Come on. But um, there basically <laughs> is no economy anymore. Yes. And um, no jobs. So, so that leaves people with bounty hunting, and that's why there's so many people trying to get into the guild, but there isn't much of the guild. I do have a rebuttal to that because while. Because if, if you're really going to look at it that way, it didn't look like this kid was interested in the money of it all. And this becomes very, very, very apparent know, as the episode goes out. Well, I he, know, he, but he like, wasn't in, the money, in it for the money because uh, for him, the important thing was getting into the guild first. Yeah, I know. That, that's that what was, I'm saying. Right. So, But trust me, he was he's in it for the money because otherwise he wouldn't be a bounty hunter. I think it was just... I need to get my foot in the door to be able to do this. And if I have to skip a payment, a payout, then this is what I'm going to have to do. Yeah. But it'll set me up in the future because now I'm a bounty hunter in the guild. He's playing you know it smart. Saying? He's playing it smart, basically. Yeah. He's just trying to get in the door, like you said. Um, so, I mean, that's a cool scene. But I do have to ask the question, like... Yeah, this kid is new, but he doesn't know about, like, the most notorious mark that the bounty hunters are chasing right now, the <laughs> bounty hunter guild, yeah. being Mando. Like, he's probably, like, like enemy number one right now. That's how green he is, because that's, he doesn't even know this. This kid is kind of dumb, I guess, right? Yeah. Sort of dumb. Well, his dumbness shows throughout the episode, so. That's true. You know? But, yeah, um, he... He has that scene. The scene ends with the tracking fob being destroyed, which, again, begs the question, how does that thing work, and how does he know that she's still going to be where he memorized mm -hmm. her being, according to him. Um, and then Mando returns to the ship and gets chastised by Peli 
for the same reason that Walt says. Horrible father. You're a terrible parent for leaving this this little baby Yoda alone all by himself. Um, and they were then, playing Sabak at that point, weren't they? I or, think they were also. Yeah, yeah. So that's the other callback to the episode. Yeah, <laughs> or to to some of the older movies. Actually, they were playing Sabak before uh, she found Baby Yoda. Yeah, yeah. And then and he, then he had, wandered out. Yeah, exactly. So, anyway, um, continue. They, re- they return, uh, or Mando returns to to. Uh, well, I'm sorry. He he exits the hangar where Pelly works. And Toro is there with a pair of speeder bikes. And I mentioned that to you guys when we were watching the episode, right? What speeder bikes were those? The I at first thought they were the ones used out in Endor, but apparently they're the ones used. Actually, they're the ones that were used in Attack of the Clones, mm-hmm. namely by yeah. another famous guy that's from around this place, Anakin and Skywalker. Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Uh, the swoop bikes, correct? Um, so that's what they're called, swoop bikes? They're called swoop bikes. Yes. Oh, okay. and the, and they the are speeders, but they I mean they call them speeders in this, but they were called swoop bikes, apparently, according to the original attack of the clones. But gotcha. it's the it's the desert variant of the speeder, I guess, probably like to deal with the sand and all of that kind of stuff compared Gets to the one where it doesn't get everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Uh, All right, so so they head out and they're on their way. And now AJ again. Not before uh, Toro notices Baby Yoda, though. Oh yeah, well, you know, which is important. Again, he sees Baby Yoda. He doesn't. He doesn't seem to know Baby Yoda at all. But like he notes that there is a child. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. And um, so they jump on the on these bikes. And that that scene. The the riding of it that was a pretty cool scene where they're kind of like semi racing for a little bit. Yeah, they have some of the cool angles and shots <clears throat> from above and all of that that they oh, have wait, in that episode. But we forgot to mention they're heading out to the Dune Sea. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's another true. callback. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, this episode is full of those and stuff like that. So they're out driving through the Dune Sea, and Mando tells them, "Hey, stop." AJ's smiling. AJ's smiling. Come on, hit us with it. So when we see when we see stop, when when see stop, (laughs) when Mando says stop, what is the first thing we hear? We hear oh god, I forgot the name of those those huge uh, banthas. Yeah, the banthas. Mm -hmm. We hear banthas. And what are banthas associated with? Well, Toro gets on the on the noculars, and you know what he sees? He sees a nice little troop. Of Tuscan Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was uh, that was a a, a Dubak, not a Bantha. No, the yeah. no, Dubak was, was, uh, came first. No, yeah. it was a Bantha. The Dubak was later in the episode. Oh, the Banthas are the ones that have the horns that go around and they're really shaggy. Yeah, yeah, no, the, the that didn't have horns. I don't remember it having yeah, horns. Yeah, it did. Banthas have horns. No, I know Banthas have horns, but I for some reason I remember seeing a dewback in that episode. Yeah, the, that comes Maybe after I'm crazy. That, that's, that encounter. That's, yeah, that's later on when they encounter their target. There is a dewback in the episode. It's just not there. Right now they're they're right. Tuscan Raiders mm-hmm. ride Banthas. They don't ride dewbacks. Dewbacks, um, they were notorious when we saw the dewbacks in A New Hope, oh, where the yeah, star, yeah. where the stormtroopers were riding them. You know, so indeed, in, in this one, we're seeing the Banthas and stuff like that. And there are Tuscan Raiders, 
And yeah. in the way Tusken Raiders do, it didn't happen at first, but when he was on the Noculars, I was I was fully expecting one of them to just completely obscure the vision and go but no, they, they do you know it a different way. We yeah. Give it another callback. So remember what Toro says. He yeah. says they better stay out of my way, right? Or I'm going to shoot them up and whatever. Something like that. And then Mando basically goes, oh, yeah, well, guess what? On your left. Why don't you tell them? And they're right there. <laughs> yeah. Tuscan <laughs> Raider ninjas. I mean, seriously? These guys, these guys are stealthy as heck. I love the way they're just standing there like, when were you going to notice that we were here, dude? This guy knew. Taking out the binoculars oh like a dumbass. <laughs> it was a but, cool little piece of comedic timing right yeah. there. And instead of that evolving into a shootout, as you would normally expect of Tuscan Raiders, Filoni decides to take a different approach. Instead of having a shootout... Mando actually starts a negotiation, and with sign language. Which is an interesting That's... little piece to add to the Tusken Raider mythology, mm-hmm. because we've never, we've never heard, well, we never heard them speak, we've only heard them grunt and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, to have them you know, communicate via sign language was really interesting, and... Um, it's or maybe that's how they communicate with people who don't speak their language. Either maybe, way, it's right, still cool. Maybe, but it's, it is a cool way of doing it. Maybe right? their yeah. grunts still mean something to other Tuscan Raiders. But like, if you st- if a Tuscan, I mean, they understand Chewbacca, so it would make sense if they understood Tuscan Raider grunts in this universe. But at the yeah, same time, right. it's still kind of cool how like they have that as their a way of them to to interact. A so, thousand, mm-hmm. a thousand IQ intellectual Mandalorian. <laughs> We're not even gonna lie, though. He's a polyglot. Yeah. So Mando, Mando negotiates with them because he they have to cross their their territory. He negotiates by giving them Toro's binoculars, right? Mm -hmm. So now that begs the question. They were new. Yeah. They well, well, not anymore. They were. (laughs) They were. But that begs the question: (laughs) Why couldn't Uncle Owen and Luke negotiate with these guys in the same way? Probably because they didn't know. Like I'm, I'm assuming that the Mandalorian knows about them because he probably recognizes them as like a warrior tribe, and mm-hmm. you know Mandalorians are a warrior tribe too. So I don't know, maybe it came up in Warrior Training 101. <laughs> this is how we speak. <laughs> in case you ever go to Tatooine, here's how you communicate with a Tuscan Raider without getting shot. <laughs> okay, you, fi- you figure works. though, like Luke and and Uncle Owen living on Tatooine would know how to communicate. Well, they, yeah, they're probably that much so. like but kind of bumpkins they? that they didn't even know how to like negotiate with Maybe that's some of the bad guys of the, of the neighborhood because they weren't a wretched hive of scum and villainy <laughs> like Mando sort of is. Well, and you also remember the Tusken Raiders were notorious um, for shooting at the pod races when they were having the, the race. They're just all around know. aggressive. Yeah, so. <laughs> and they travel in single file to hide their numbers. <laughs> <laughs> so we had that. So that was pretty interesting. Um, this so, this part of the episode is one of my uh, probably one of my other favorite parts. So ex- explain the scene then. They they um, essentially after they they negotiate with the Tuscan Raiders, they move on and they stop again. And this sets up. This actually sets up my favorite part of the episode. They they come upon the Dewback. You're right. I got my 
my chronology obviously a little confused, but they come upon the Bantha first, they come about the Dubak, uh, dragging a rider behind it, and so, Mando goes to investigate. So let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Mando tells them to stop because he sees something up ahead, right? Mm-hmm. But they climb a dune to look down at the dune to see where the Dubak is. How in the world did he see the Dubak from where he was riding him at his perspective? Well, he does have like... Uh, a slightly different vision mode on his helmet, right? Yes, yes. A little bit like, right? Through the dune? But I was going to say the it's dune is probably okay. hot as well. Exactly. But, oh, yeah, that's true. And it's a dead body. So maybe maybe that was what it was. It was cold and everything around it was hot. Okay. I don't know. I I'm, mean, I'm not going to get into the, the whole physics uh, and science of that. I just, I found that weird. It's, and stuff. Tr- it's true. It is a little odd how he was able to see it before they got to the top of that dune. Yeah. Um, but he finds this this dewback dragging behind a corpse. Of course, the dewback being another Easter egg callback to uh, that. That's more of that's yeah. That's the New Hope, and also they had more some dewbacks in uh, the prequel trilogy as well. Um, in Episode One, there were a couple of scenes with dewbacks okay. in them. Nothing okay. crazy, but um, so just another callback. And he, you know, Mando investigates, and he finds out. That this is a, again, this is a corpse that's being dragged behind the dewback and realizes that Shand is probably pretty close because the tracking fob is also going crazy. Um, what happens next? Well, well, what happens next is, um, uh, she she opens um, she opens fire from like a, a nearby ridge of. Uh, uh, against the Mandalorian and the Mandalorian starts running and he gets shot in the Beskar armor like two times. Twice. Twice. Okay. Both in the back, I think, right? One of them was in the butt. Yeah. <laughs> that's why he said, The first you know, one was like in the chest, right? I got shot yeah. in the Beskar. <laughs> I got shot in the Beskar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, that last sniper bolt squarely in the buttocks. Yeah. And it's cool also that they kind of establish that at longer ranges, the lasers lose their power, which makes sense because otherwise I guess they travel forever because mm-hmm. those shots weren't able to penetrate at that range with her sniper rifle. Now, from like for me, from here to like the next couple of scenes, this really relates to Call of Duty. Actually, I love the, I'm, I love I'm the just, mission. I love the yeah. plan he comes up with. Yeah, right? I, I'm actually just going to let you guys go. And once once it's, yeah. Well, don't forget yeah. the line that he says. She's got the high ground. I know. <laughs> we have to wait until night, basically. That's the plan that he hatches. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll wait until night so that they have a little bit more of an advantage for the plan <clears throat> that he hatches next. And I don't know. I think it's, it's pretty cool. Um, it is interesting to me. This kind of illustrates how Mando... Maybe is a little too trusting because he basically says that Toro can take first watch and Mando's going to get some sleep and rest. This person that he just met and that he's on this mission with, I understand that you know some of these people have have turned out okay, like Gina Carano. But like, would you really trust this dude that you just met to do the well, first watch? I don't think I he. Didn't, I don't I didn't think, think he, he was. Yeah, I don't think he poses a threat to Mando. Yeah, so. he's like, not, this not guy can't that. do anything not to me. Mando didn't even no. seem like he was asleep, honestly. He's probably sleeping with one eye open. Yeah, like, bro, <laughs> you literally... Okay, I'm just going to... No. 
Yeah, so it will happen. Well, that's exactly what happens next, right? Yeah. yeah. He, he tells him to take the first him. watch, and then Toro. I, I don't want to explain it. So uh, T- Toro starts mocking him almost openly. You know, he starts pulling a gun, his gun out. He starts pointing at him. You know, he, he starts. Well, and uh, Mando's basically like, "Are you done yet?" <laughs> <laughs> you know. So again, like you were saying, Eli. Um, he may not have been fully asleep. Maybe he had like one eye open while he's sleeping. He's got that bounty hunter sleep and whatnot. Yeah. So, what did you think about that? I thought that was pretty funny, and but it kind of relates to um, it, it. It's there's nothing really much to it. It was it was just pretty funny because like. He he caught him by surprise, and the way th- his reaction, the um, what's his face? Toro. Toro's reaction was pretty funny, and just the look on his face was priceless. Not even gonna lie. <laughs> Again, just showing how green he is, you know how how he thinks he's he's the big flash in the pan, but yet <laughs> yeah. he's really not. Looking a little green around the gills there, Potts. Yeah, exactly. So we get into the mission. Which is a really cool night sequence. Mm-hmm. Okay. On the speeders. Yep. Um, this, yeah, was my, my favorite uh, part of the episode. And actually, yes. I think so far, one of my favorite action set pieces of the entire series. I think episode three, again, takes the cake there. But this might be my second favorite action scene so far, even though that uh, ATST with with demon eyes from last week was pretty cool. Also, this was an awesome sequence with them... <coughs> Hatching Mando's plan, which to me, again, it, it it seems like he's learning and improvising more and coming up with better plans. Uh, Earlier on, he kind of just like blasted his way through things a little bit more and then yeah. worked his way through it. It seems like he's being a little bit smarter now. I think this was my favorite character. I mean, my favorite... Uh, my favorite... Um, um, like action scene action so scene. far? And better than the episode three Mandalorian... Like yes. battle and everything like that. Yes, yeah, because it's it an re- awesome scene. It reminded me a lot of Call of Duty, and it also like a night mission in Call of Duty. Yeah, it mm-hmm. also kind of built on um, the character relationship uh, between Toro and Mandalorian, which yeah, but like yeah. Well, if I said what I thought, I'd. I'm gonna spoil the end of this, but we're going in a linear fashion, so I'm not. I'm not gonna say anything. <laughs> okay, so one thing, uh, going back to an earlier reference, he said that you know the reason that he wasn't hurt with the Beskar armor and the sniper bolt was because she was at distance. But there is a point where she pretty much blasts him um, pretty close. And stuff, and it, that Beskar still holds up pretty well. Yeah, as they're racing down the sand, the plan that he hatches is pretty cool. They use those flares, those flashes, uh, to blind the to blind Shand so that she'll miss her shots. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really cool strategy, and it's really cool when they show from her perspective, like how things go completely white on her rifle scope. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, eventually, like you said. One of the shots misfires, and Mando's bike basically gets, gets taken hit. out. 
Uh, he gets launched off his bike, and again, he does get shot in the chest from like at least half the distance that he was at yeah. earlier when his Besco armor held up. But it did look like that shot did more damage to his armor than the first well, two shots. Well, it, it knocked the wind out of him. Knocked the wind yeah. out of him, and if you look at the, there was more uh, laser scarring on the armor than the, the first two shots as carbon well. Scoring, carbon scoring, as they say, <laughs> than the first two <laughs> shots. Um, but. Shand, or excuse me, Toro uses that moment that Mando uses himself uh, as a decoy to sneak up behind Shand with his blaster rifle. He 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 used my trademark um, strategy when playing video games. Yeah, that's so what I do in the, Battlefield, man. Know, that's how you win. You I flank. Go, I go, no, not you even that. Oh, what's I that? go out and get shot so that the other person can go. Oh yes. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So, <laughs> He used my he used my strategy. I will die so that you may live. There you go. Yeah. Thank you. So these past two scenes really reminded me of Call of Duty because first of all the flashbang, second of all because of Dad. Um, I remember this time where Dang, sniper I, put, I pushed Dad out into the open where there is a sniper. He basically got the sniper. Um, the attention. Uh, he, yeah, he um, distracted him. Distracted him, and while I shot him, and he got shot. So I basically had to do the rest. Thank you, son. You're welcome. <laughs> hey, but Shand tries his best to take out, uh, or excuse me, Toro tries tries his best to take out Shand, but of course... <laughs> or his worst. What you were interested in earlier, throwing knives. <laughs> nice distraction. Enter into the equation. Uh, Shand being the awesome assassin and possible employee of the Empire in the past. I mean... Takes some throwing knives out and was able to knock Toro's blaster out of his hand, or at least it didn't look like he knocked it out, but he was able to kind of knock his hand away uh, in order to get into a pretty cool fight scene at that point. I thought that was pretty cool. It yeah, is, she it was it channel, channeling Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., yeah. right? Yeah, Agent May. Yep. So, mm -hmm. good fight scene. Um, she totally owned Toro. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she ended up in an arm bar, and that's when uh, our hero, Mando, gets there and says, Thanks for the thanks for the distraction. Basically, there's a lot of MMA style fights in this show oh, so far. It seems right because that was kind of, I mean, that was a little bit more of a, of an action sequence than the Gina Carano MMA style fight. But armbar at the end of that was pretty cool, right? Yep. At the end of this fight, definitely. Mm -hmm. So we get the nice distraction um, comment from Mando, and then um, she gets cuffed, and then there's a reference to Navarro. Apparently, Navarro is the planet that the guild was located at, and she kind of hinted at, her, and again, going back to what you said, Jose, mm -hmm. um, Toro had no idea who this Mandalorian was. It was quite clear that Shand knew who he was because mm -hmm. she made that comment. You know, She was like, have you ever been to Navarro? Right? So um, you have that. So eventually, they're, they're trying to head back, but again... You have one swoop bike, the other one is damaged, and so the choice is made that somebody has to go back and retrieve the do-back that they saw earlier. Originally, Mando says, hey, Toro, you go get it, and he's like, nah, I ain't leaving you with my mark and my bike, mm -hmm. you go get it, and Mando uses his you know, fancy helmet, locates the do-back, and says, fine, I'll go get it. That gives um, Toro and Fennec Shand an opportunity to have some discussions. And those discussions kind of um, 
it kind of molds what's going to happen toward the end of the episode. Um, why don't you guys discuss what happened? Well, I do want to say really quickly, like, it took him a really long time to get that do back, man. Well, like, it, was, it was pretty far, I guess. I yeah. mean, yeah. They, took a, they took a decent, like, speeder ride, I guess, but, like... That must have been like more than a few miles if you think about it, because it took yeah. the whole night for him to return with the uh, with the do back. And then yeah. not even maybe that. it had wandered even further though. You yeah. also have to take into account these are sand dunes; they're not exactly easy to go up. You got to go up and then down. That's true. That's why he requested the speeders. I'm yeah. assuming, and exactly. especially especially with um while getting like literally shot into the chest and into the butt like three times. With heavy armor, like, uh, bro. He's okay. He's a big boy. <laughs> yeah, he could take it. He's gotten shot yeah. so many times. He's in his big boy pants already. We so make fun of Boba no Fett worries. for getting taken out the way that he got taken out. But he didn't <laughs> get shot at. He, he never got hit by a laser, but I Listen, think. if he didn't have that Beskar armor, this Mandalorian series would be very, very short. Yeah, <laughs> he would have been dead a long time ago. Exactly. Uh, we, so... um. We have the discussions, mm-hmm. and so Fennec starts playing on the greenness of Toro. Um, originally, she says, you know, um, we still have time to get to Mas Espa, and you know what that re- reflects. That's a, podca- I mean, a pod podcast. racer. A podcast. <laughs> podcast racers. That's the new thing now. No, it's a, it's a planet where pod racing is very, very prevalent in. And so um, you and have that. Where a very important young man is also from. Yep. You know, um, little Anakin. Little Annie. Little Annie. <laughs> That's his so, hometown, I guess, or at least not not necessarily his hometown, but where he was a slave. Yeah. In the Phantom. I, I guess, right? Because who knows? They took him from wherever. Maybe. Maybe he was from there originally. Maybe. Who they knows? Just brought him there. So she 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 reveals that her destination was Mos Espa. And so basically he tells, she tells Toro, listen, whatever they're paying you, I'll pay you double. And he's like, well, you know what? I'm not even interested in the money. It's all about me getting into the guild. I want to, if I bring you in, that's going to make a name for me. You know what I'm saying? And then she's like, well, the Mandalorian's here. And he's like, well, you know, don't get this twisted. I'm not working for him. He's working for me. Mm-hmm. I hired him for this job. And she then makes the reference, oh, well, you know what? It seems like he's doing all the work. He's making all the plans. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. And that's when she starts now playing in with this whole thing. Do you even know who he is? First, she says the Beskar armor alone is more than the bounty on me. But then she goes and she says, well, guess what? Do you even know who he is? And again, greenness, he's like, what are you talking about? Yeah, she reveals that. There was a. She had heard that there was a Mandalorian who shot up the guild on Navarro, and then she plays on what he's really after. It seems what Toro is really after is he wants he wants the fame even more than he wants the money. It seems like he wants the money, but she tells him that he'll be a legend if he brings in again probably enemy number one for the guild right now because not only is he on the run but he shot a whole bunch of bounty hunters in episode three so she plays on that and says you'll be a legend if you bring this guy in and also notes again that he had a child with him mando had a child with him which again is what toro had noticed earlier in the episode yep 
and then it backfires. <laughs> well, at least for a certain someone. At least right? for Shan. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So once she fully convinces him and she thinks, oh, you know what? I'm finally in the clear. He just up and shoots her. <laughs> and he doesn't even do it right away. He goes, he, he plays with her a little. He's like, all right, well, you know what? You, you kind of make sense. Come here. I'll, I'll take off your cuffs. And then they get like within an inch of each other. And he goes, psych. Pew. That was cool. Pew, pew. That I didn't exactly expect that. I expected them to actually f- go through right. with working together. Yeah. So that was kind of yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I, I like the realization that he has that, you know, if I take these cuffs off of you, I'm as good as dead. You know, and he realizes that he is outmatched by her. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't have a similar respect to the Mandalorian because he's like, well, I'm not going to take her out, but I'll be able to take him out. Because he, well, sorry to cut you off, because he probably realizes that he can use the kid. Yeah, I guess. I guess that works. Like, she know. doesn't have that particular point of exploitation. He does. The element of surprise as well. Yeah, so he's too. losing his greenness. I will I tell you. Gather. I will tell you one thing, though. I guess his mistake there is. He, there was no point in bringing Mando in alive, so he could have just waited for him on that dune and taken him out there. That would have been a little less suspicious than what he ends up doing, which is bouncing after killing Shand. Well, I guess I guess maybe what you can say is the point of having him get shot so many times with the Beskar armor is the fact that Toro realizes, I can't shoot this guy because he's practically indestructible. You maybe know that was saying? his blaster, I guess. Yeah, so maybe that's the reason why he figured, you know what, I can't wait until he comes back and shoot him because where the heck am I going to shoot him? If he can take a full brunt of a sniper rifle, uh, what was it, a TK-47 or something like that, or an MK-47? They they mentioned the name of the rifle, whatever Which it is. Which is a series from a previous, obviously, right. another callback. Exactly. But if he can take that, then what is he going to be? What am I going to be able to do with a blaster rifle? You know, so maybe that that was part of his thinking, and again, maybe that's the reason why they showed him getting blasted so many times in this episode by that sniper rifle. Best armor is it's like adamantium or something like that. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so he shoots um, Fennec and, and and leaves her there and jumps on the swoop bike and bounces. Um, Mando gets back, sees what, what's going on, and kind of puts two and two together and takes the long trek back on that do-back, <laughs> back to Mos Eisley. Yeah, I can imagine that might have taken like a couple of days if it took him that long to get yeah, it overnight. All right. <laughs> and, of course, Toro mentions that as Mando returns. He's like, hey, took you long enough, Mando. And he's standing on the Razor's Crest landing ramp, with a blaster to Pelly's back, and of course he's got Baby Yoda because Baby Yoda is the mark that started the whole thing. Tells him he's calling the shots now, and again we get uh, a little improvisation from some improvisation he did earlier in the episode. He uses the the flash again after after Toro orders Pelly to cuff Mando. He uses the flash to blind Toro. And he he blasts him and takes him out. He shoots him dead. Very, very dead. And and I think yeah. at that point, everybody was really worried about Baby Yoda when Toro fell off of the ramp yeah. with Baby Yoda in his arms. Yeah. But Baby Yoda was okay. Um, so, he actually skittered away, right? Yeah. they couldn't find him at first. They yeah. were like, where's Baby Yoda? Where's Baby Yoda? 
you know? Which definitely made us all worry. But I think that was another cool little scene that kind of was um, maybe a little bit of a throwback to shooting Greedo in the bar with him missing a couple of times after mm. trying to take out Mando. I mean, I guess he's just firing wildly at this point because probably can't take him out through that Beskar armor. But again, I think this is a pretty cool scene and a pretty cool way to, to take out this guy and a pretty cool way to end the episode uh, or get to the to the end of the episode. I thought it was plain and simple, just like just like he deserved, in a way. Because, yeah. Yeah, so um, he's he got himself perished. Uh, Mando goes over and, and grabs some credits from him. And... Pelly is like, well, I guess you didn't finish the mission, did you? So I'm not getting paid, and so he ends up giving her whatever he had. There weren't credits; they were they were a lot of little trinkets and stuff. But apparently, it was more than enough for the work that she did because yeah. she was like, oh yeah, this is this is covered. Yeah, you're good. It you're looked good. like it was a few different types of currencies, if anything. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was it was pretty cool way. For him to pay her off and again, like setting her up as a possible future ally, maybe in a future episode, maybe not this season, but maybe next season. Because you know, they got they, I mean, this show is obviously going to go to its conclusion, I would say. I don't think it's going to be like, oh, The Mandalorian is canceled, guys. So they're probably playing the long game with some of these characters. Yeah. And they, they already started working on season two, if I'm, if I'm, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I think, I think they're already working on that already. I think it's already in production. So, um, and we're going to have a couple of characters come back for that also. So, Mando leaves the planet. And? Uh, brand, yeah. a, uh, brand new, you know, worked up, running just as, as good as always, Razor Crest. Again. And they're off. So he's getting that thing either stripped or, like, blown up. Yeah, I know. Practically. But um, then. Final scene. Of course, the episode ends, yes, with in the desert, a unknown figure crouches behind Shan's body, and we don't know who this figure is. I thought the episode was going to give us a glimpse, and then... Of course not. It nope. cuts to black, the Cut episode it. ends, and I guess this is a mysterious figure that we're going to see later on in yes. the series. So I was talking to Wolfie about this because... Um, we were, we were. I, I saw this early Friday morning. I couldn't wait, mm-hmm. and uh, he he watched it around the same time as well. And the first thing that he said was like, <gasps> "That's got to be Boba Fett." No, it doesn't. Oh my and God. Be, well, the reason is is and and you know what? There's a lot of articles and there's a lot of rumors on the internet. Um, a lot of people thought that it was Boba Fett just because he had a cape. And specifically because of the spurs. I know I don't know if you heard that, but as he was walking, there was the jingle of the spurs, which is something that was purposely put in on Boba Fett's character to kind of signify that he is a gunslinger, right? A Wolfie, call back to the West. Wolfie really wants Boba Fett to come oh, to the series. I gave him I gave him a way that Boba Fett and I'll talk about that after we've we com- we complete this a way for Boba Fett in my mind, that can come back into the series. He actually loved the idea. We'll get into that later. So do I. But um, quite honestly, you know, I hate to break it to a lot of people, but it's not going to be Boba Fett, most likely. My first thought was it's a character that we've seen in the trailers before, 
and we have not seen him as of yet. That would be um, Giancarlo Esposito's character. That would be Moff Gideon, I believe is his name, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, when we were having our discussion, I said, dude, I'm sorry, but it's not going to be Boba Fett. Most likely it's going to be the Moff. And if you know um, that title. Pretty sure that's an Im- Pretty that sure that's an imperial title. Oh, absolutely, because you have Grand, Grand Moff Tarkin. Tarkin. Yeah. He's the most. He's the most um, notorious, notorious, and the most recognizable of the Moffs. So yeah, he's he's supposed to play that character. And if you look at the promotional images of him, he does wear the type of cape that we saw in that closing. You know, minutes of that episode. Oh man, so I can't wait. I, I'm pretty sure that's what it is. So for everybody that thinks it's Boba Fett, sorry, I don't think you're going to get that. I'm happy with Giancarlo Esposito, man. He's in everything these days. He's a great actor. He was in my favorite show, uh, probably of all time, which I've talked about many times. Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. He's a huge character on that show. He's in The Boys. He's going to be bigger in The Boys season two, and I can't wait to see that. And, yeah, that was one of the things that drew me to The Mandalorian in the first place, the fact that he is in this show and yep. may play a pivotal role. I, well, I they, haven't, they haven't revealed the big bad, so I'm assuming that he's going to be it. It's either him or, um, or the, the client. Well, uh, I think the client may be client. working for him. That's possible, too. You know, I think that's, that's where we're, we're leading into because they, they clearly said that the big bad hasn't been revealed uh, for this season as yet. So most likely that's going to be him. He's the one that's looking for Baby Yoda. The client is the guy that's kind of being the facilitator of getting him because you know you don't have got you don't do this kind of stuff. You get other people to do it for you. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I think he's going to be our big bad for the end of the season. Um, do you guys, what do you guys think about that? You know, <gasps> what if it's Maul? Darth Maul returns. Well, Darth nah. Maul There's so much is that they dead, can do. though. Yeah. He's already dead by this point in, yeah. the, in the canon. Yeah, yeah, he is. Obi Wan. He he tracked Obi Wan down to, and so this goes back to the Rebels. the the TV animated show Star Wars Rebels of a show that was run by Dave Filoni. Um, Maul was a huge part, not only in the Clone Wars animated series, but also in Rebels, especially, and. And just to, no spoilers here because this this show was what three or four years old by and now or something ended. like that. Um, his motivation was to track down Obi Wan always because he wanted to seek revenge for what he did when they were on Naboo, which basically. Obi-Wan cut him in half. Cut him in half. You know That's kind of messed up. So, man. I mean, I, I guess. I would probably seek revenge also. Yeah, so why not? It's you pretty know much been his whole arc. Yeah, that was his whole arc. And, you know, he finally was able to track down um, Obi-Wan in Tatooine. And it was a beautiful little scene. Not only because of the way that they ended Maul, but it's also, it was a great way of showing how Obi-Wan had progressed as a Jedi because... It was a very short fight. Short, short. It was a fight that, you know, was a callback to the old samurai movies where you, you had the two fighters staring each other down and it's one killing stroke that, you know, ends the battle and it's like, you know, you don't know at the beginning who's the one that is going to fall and who's the one that's going to survive. Eventually, this was Maul's end 
um, in the Star Wars universe, and it was a touching little scene that he had. And I think one of the things that Maul said, he was like, "Go get revenge on those people who have wronged us." Right? That was that was his. Sith. Yeah, that was his parting shot. That was his thing, and it's it's, it's nice because the way they did it. Obi-Wan came and he kind of cradled um, Darth Maul in his arms while he was dying. And that's when he said, you know what? Go out and get revenge on the ones that have wronged us and stuff. So Maul, unfortunately, in this universe is gone and perished and dead. Unless he faked us all out again. Yeah. Like he did when he got cut in half. Exactly. So <laughs> you never know. Well, it's the like reason. Deadpool the, dying at the end of Deadpool 2. The reason. Times. The reason that he survived was because he was so angry <laughs> yeah. that he yeah. crawled himself out of the there. Force is, you know? The dark side is very powerful. And he's also lucky that a lightsaber kind of cauterizes the wound so he didn't bleed out. You know? Didn't work for Qui Gon. But. Yeah, well. But. But it is what it is. So that brings us to the end of that episode. Um, I thought it was a very well done episode. Um, you want to talk about that little theory that me and Wolfie had about? No, Boba you Fett? explain it. You explain it. So Wolfie is dying to see Boba Fett in this series. I mean, absolutely yeah. dying. Every every single shot that would even kind of suggest that Boba's there. He blames us for teasing him. Yes, you know. And and we listen, we we tease him because it's fun, but um ultimately we we are kind of fans of the Fets, right? Yeah, he's like one of Sorry, my I characters. I lean towards Django. That's um, okay. But yeah. you know, we're we're not, we're not yeah. hating on the Fets, right? So yeah, yeah. one way that I thought that you could bring Boba Fett into this into the show and into the series is, you know, you can have Boba Fett um, kind of come in almost like a big bat as, as as well, you know. He's still a bounty hunter after all. Exactly. So what better way of bringing him in by having the guild reach out to him and say, hey, guess what? We've tried everything. You're the guy. You got to bring in your own guy. And my way like of... boondock saints. Yeah, exactly. My <laughs> way of thinking is that at the very end of the season, once you've cleared up whatever you need to clear up for the season, the the end of the show can have um, grief meeting up with Boba and says, listen, I've got a fob. And you cut right there. And then sec- the second season will be all about Boba trying to catch up with the Mandalorian. And, and then connecting with him, perhaps there you switching go. again, kind of like uh, Boondock Saints, because mm-hmm. you remember the dude that ended up going after that ended up being their dad. Remember, <laughs> so I would. I'm go not saying that. that far, I'm not saying that's you know? the case. I'm not saying Boba but Fett's I, his I dad. Think, I think you're on the that, same that line kinship. as I am. Yeah, yeah exactly. I see where you're going with this. Like, so you have Boba Fett. This is the way, after all. Exactly. You have yeah. the. You have Boba Fett, kind of. You know, missing him at each planet, just barely there. And then finally they do catch up. And Mando kind of has a way of explaining what he's doing, why he's doing. And and Boba Fett is like, okay, that's cool. Let's go Let's go do what we got to do. And it's, it becomes a team up instead. But that would also turn Boba Fett into a good guy, which he traditionally has definitely not been. And that's been but, a big part of his appeal. Well, he's not a he's not a bad guy. He's not a good guy. He's just a greedy guy. He wants money, so he'll do whatever it takes. I don't think he has... It's kind of bad, though. Well, I it? guess. You know whatever what I'm saying? T- I mean, Mando was not- like, I'm not going to kill his baby for the money. Boba Fett would probably kill that baby. He'd be like, you know what, baby? Sure. Yoda? Sorry, dude. 
blast. True. And that would be it. Um, I'm not saying it's a bad idea, and if he was a later season big bad, it might be like the redemption of Boba Fett. Maybe like yeah. instead of him staying as a bad guy, this is how he kind of gets Darth Vader and he becomes a good guy. You make him like an anti-hero. Um, you know? Yeah, so... If he's a later season character, I could see that being a kind of a cool way to bring yeah, him into the show. Yeah, he could be like a teacher. It. He yeah. could be like a teacher. You yeah. guys just reminded me. We completely overlooked this. Mandalorian quoted Boba. Yeah, he did. He's no, he's, he's no good to us dead. Yes, yeah. that's true. <laughs> he's no good to us dead. But, I mean, it, it would be a cool idea, I think, to bring it up that way. But I guess we're going to see how the episodes progress. Just how? At least Best car armor. That stuff is indestructible, dude. Yeah, that's that is true. Not to the Starlack, because well, like, well, it Star- takes a thousand years to digest how a do you person. Know that? How long will it take to digest armor? Think about that. Ten thousand years. Or ten thousand years, right? Yeah. To digest mm-hmm. a human that's just skin and bones versus so I, I, metal I, that takes blaster bolts. So it makes sense times? that he would survive. Yeah, m- probably even more. Yeah. Maybe less, I guess, depending on the composition of the acid in the Sarlacc's stomach. Well, first of all, he's not going to last 10,000 years, so... He better get out pretty quick. Exactly. (laughs) But But there is a way for him to get out of that Sarlacc pit, and it's been done in Legends, so Wolfie, you still have a chance. We'll see, guy. We'll see. So that's going to bring us to the end of this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, Signing off. I am Jose. This is AJ bidding the adieu. Uh, This is Walt. Elias. Goodbye, fellow intellectuals. We bid you all adieu, and definitely, please, guys, you must stay geeky, my friends.